0: Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 65, The Shame Blame Trap. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. Today we're starting out our episode with a battle buddy moment. Today's is a Facebook review from Kina and she says, Jessie is the perfect life coach. She provides an encouraging and uplifting experience that can benefit anyone who wants to stop stressing and start living. It was eye opening to be involved as she and the others in attendance shared their own experiences and helped us all see a better pathway to a happier life. So most of my Facebook reviews came from people who attended my life coaching dinner parties that I used to host in my home. In my first year of life coaching, when I was getting practice and getting clients, I would host a weekly dinner party in my home where I did group coaching. I've explained this in previous episodes, but I'm going to just say it again really quickly because it gives a little context to some of these reviews that come from Facebook. So I had seven women in my home and I would make a beautiful meal and we would get to know each other. And then we would move into a group coaching session where I would draw names out. Everyone would put their name in, everyone who was interested in being coached. And I would coach about three or four people over an hour and a half. And it's such a fun experience to be in a group coaching session where you get coached. And then also you get to hear other people's coaching because getting coached is always amazing. And then hearing other people get coached, you can honestly get insights from that experience that you almost, they're just harder to get from your own coaching sometimes because you're just not so caught up in the emotion of it when someone else is getting coached. And you can often find a really parallel problem you're having, even if your circumstances are different than the ones they're getting coached on, you can find those parallel circumstances. And so then when they get those ahas and those moments of clarity and that, that thought wiggling, it can often wiggle some thoughts for you. So if you have the opportunity to be in a group coaching session, I highly recommend it. I love doing those in-person events and hope to get them going again at some point, maybe an annual retreat or something like that. I have so much fun with the in-person stuff. And uh, while I love coaching online as well, and I'm so grateful to have that option, in-person events have my heart. So thank you very much for that review, Kina. I love to hear from you guys. So if you've worked with me or listened to the podcast, go review my coaching on Facebook and go review my podcast on iTunes is probably the best place to leave a podcast review. And then I share those battle buddy moments at the beginning of most of my episodes and I would love if you took a minute to leave that review for me. It means so much. Okay, so today we are talking about shame and everything that goes with it. This is a really challenging emotion and a very human emotion. We all feel it very frequently. Our lower brain offers it to us all the time. So we're going to talk about what it is, what happens when we get stuck in it, what the higher brain version of shame looks like, and I'll explain that to you. A lot of really applicable examples, and then we're going to talk about lots of solutions to shame. So buckle up, here we go. This is not any kind of encyclopedia definition, but my definition of shame is basically the belief that you are unworthy and unacceptable based on what you have or haven't done or the actions you're taking or not taking. Now, I want to say here really quickly that there are many kinds of shame, but the one that I'm going to be focusing on today in this podcast episode is the shame that comes from either you know the actions we're taking or not taking, it comes from mistakes we make or problems that we create for ourselves or for others. So that's the one we're focused on today. Now, understanding a little more of what shame is, that it's about our unworthiness, our unacceptability, and not based on who we are, but based on what we've done, right? Uh, I wanna explain a little bit of what I like to call the shame blame trap or the shame blame cycle or loop. Now, I first heard about this on Jody Moore's podcast, Better Than Happy. You should go listen to this episode. It's so good, episode and. 30, where she talks about this shame blame trap. And now that I understand it, and have more awareness around what this looks like, I can see it so easily and so clearly in my own life. And I'll just reiterate here that even as a life coach, even understanding all of this, even being an expert on my brain and in having tons of awareness, I find myself in this shame, blame trap all the time. It's a human thing. It is a human emotion. It's natural, it's normal. So understanding this isn't going to stop you from falling into the trap. It's just gonna teach you how to be aware of it, to call it what it is, and then get out of it. So that is what we're working on today. We are not working on never getting into this trap again, never feeling shame again. That will come forever. So wrap your arms around it, okay? So what the shame blame trap is, is when we feel shame, it is a painful, intolerable emotion and we'll do anything to attempt to get out of it. But when we're down in this trap, what we try to do to get away from it actually just kind of like increases it. So the first thing we do is we shame ourselves. And we hyper-focus on our unworthiness, right? And on how this makes us a bad person or a bad mom, whatever we did or didn't do. And then that feels awful. So then we try to blame other people and we try to find that fault somewhere else, And that doesn't make us feel better either. Like we can find some good evidence for fault in other people of why it wasn't actually our fault that the thing happened. It was someone else that did something or made us do something or whatever. But then that we don't feel better there either. So then we go back to ourselves, shaming ourselves, then back to blaming others. And that's that back and forth. Now, this back and forth loop can happen quite quickly in our brain. You can go me, them, me, them, almost back and forth that fast. Or sometimes you'll mull on yourself and your your fault for a day. And then like the next day, you'll kind of be more focused on how it's other people's fault. And then the next day back to yourself. And we can get stuck in that trap. Sometimes it resolves once we recover from... You know, maybe once the problem is resolved or once the people that we hurt or, you know, whatever the problem is, once they say like, oh, it's not a big deal. Once that part of it resolves, sometimes we can let ourselves out of that trap. But sometimes when it's when it's a big deal and the people that either that we've hurt ourselves or other people don't recover from our mistake or our error, we can stay in this trap for a long time. And we can even like set set it aside and then revisit it at times. So sometimes we'll just it'll just stop being kind of at the front of our minds, but the trap is still just waiting there so that if something happens that will bring this problem back up into our minds, we're just right back in that trap. So I wanna give you guys a quick example of this. Just a couple of weeks ago, it was Sunday, and we were having church online. Uh, Sometimes we go in person in small groups, and sometimes we tune into this Zoom meeting, basically, where we can watch church on the computer. And so we do our Group congregation meeting at 9 a.m., whether it's in person or on Zoom. And then at 10 30 a.m., we have different links that break us into the different class settings based on your age. So there's like children's class, and then a youth class, and an adult class. So We just had all our kids go to the youth class and then Brad and I were going to go watch the adult class on a different computer. So we got the kids set up. We got both meetings started and we were muted and, and all set into the class, into the Zoom meeting. And one of my kids was playing on my computer while I was getting the youth class set up and they unmuted my computer, and I didn't know that, and I didn't have my phone on me, and I was kind of just orchestrating things, saying like, "Okay, I've got, I've got you guys set up here. Here's the computer. Come sit down." I was grabbing my computer and uh, going back to my bedroom where Brad was, and we were gonna watch our class. And that whole time I was unmuted, it probably was only a couple of minutes. But the teacher was trying to start the class and she was giving her introduction and headed into the subject material of the class. And I looked down at my computer and realized I'm unmuted. And I just Gasp and hurry and mute. I mean, I hadn't said anything rude or inappropriate, but just my noise was dominating her class for I I honestly don't know how long it probably was like a minute or two. So not terribly long, but enough that I was super embarrassed. And this teacher is my friend and I already know she's like a little intimidated to teach this class and I just know what I was doing was not helping and I was so excited to watch her class and support her and instead I had made this mistake and and hindered her a little bit. So my mind is racing and I'm I'm thinking, oh, I can't believe I let it be unmuted. And I knew that I hadn't unmuted it. I I had seen a couple of my kids kind of poking around on my computer and that one of them must have, but I was still in the shame part. I wasn't in the blame yet. And I was, my mind was racing through everything I had said to see if there was anything I needed to be embarrassed about. Like, did I snap at my kids? Or did I say anything like not like rude, but just, you know, did I say anything inappropriate that I wouldn't have wanted my entire church congregation to hear or whoever was tuned into the meeting. So I was able to remember what I had said over the last couple of minutes and figured out, okay, I hadn't said anything too crazy. And then so my shame on myself was relieving just a little bit. I was still super embarrassed and feeling bad for my friend, but I switched over right to that blame. And I started thinking, okay, which one of my kids was on my computer? Who who pushed this button? I was trying to figure out which one of my kids had made this big mistake because it was their fault. I really my brain was desperate to find fault somewhere else than myself. And so I even went out to my kids for a second and was trying to figure out who did it. And then I started to realize, oh, this is ridiculous. It doesn't matter who unmuted it. None of them knew that they had done it. None of them knew, or they weren't owning up to it. And that's fine too. But I immediately realized like, this is ridiculous. It doesn't even matter if I find the person who accidentally unclicked the mute button. They didn't mean to do it. And that doesn't relieve my embarrassment or make the problem go away or make me feel any better. So then I went back to shame to myself and I went back in my bedroom and I kept watching the class And my brain was having a really hard time focusing on this Sunday school class because I was so caught up in this shame, blame, shame, blame trap. And I watched my brain go back and forth. It would spend just a minute back at, I wish my kids hadn't been touching my computer. They shouldn't have touched my computer. And then it came back to shame on me of you know, I'm a Zoom expert. I use Zoom all the time. Like what a dumb mistake to make. How did I let it get unmuted? Why did I leave my computer down low where the kids could touch it? Why was I talking so loudly? You know, just and then back to blame. Anyway, back and forth. You understand how that goes. So some time passed and I felt a little better just from time passing that that will happen. You'll get a little relief just from it not being so in the heat of the moment and I was able to not be right at the front of my mind again and I was able to finish the class with my husband and kind of move on to lunch and some different things and then I went and picked up my phone because like I said I hadn't had my phone on me it was just in another room and I saw that I had multiple text messages from people saying you know we can hear you can you mute your screen and it was even one from my friend who was teaching the class saying like I'm really sorry but I can hear you can you mute yourself mute your zoom account so obviously they were texting me right in that moment that we were making noise and I did have my phone with me and I didn't get those messages and it all just came right back up. So it moved. It it didn't resolve. It just kind of moved aside and then something new will bring it right back to the front of your mind. And then I went shame, blame, shame, blame again over the next maybe like half an hour, hour. I messaged my friend back just super apologizing. I hadn't messaged her yet because I honestly didn't know how long it was unmuted and I wasn't sure If, you know, I did really disrupt or if I was just worried I had disrupted or maybe if I wasn't as loud as I thought I was or whatever. But once I saw those text messages, those were the evidence of how disruptive I had been. So I apologized to my friend and I said, your lesson was amazing. Like, I'm so sorry I caused that hiccup at the beginning. And she just wrote back saying, oh, no problem at all. You know, she was lovely about it. She was very kind and understanding about it and immediately forgave me and didn't harbor any ill will towards me. And I thanked the other people that had messaged me saying, thank you so much, like, for being on top of that. I'm really sorry I I did that and went back and forth still with the shame, blame, shame, blame. Okay. So I'm going to pause with that example right there, because when we get to the solutions section of this episode, then I'll talk about some of the ways that I was able to get out of this particular shame, blame trap. Okay. So the next thing that I want to talk about when it comes to all of this is the word guilt. So guilt is very similar to shame. It's like I I call these two emotions like ugly cousins. I don't know why I call it that. I just like to call it that when they are incredibly similar emotions, but one is coming from our lower brain and one is coming from our higher brain and we often will misuse them. We'll think we're in guilt when we're actually in shame. And that's basically when we just indulge in the emotion that our lower brain offers us versus the emotion that our higher brain offers us that actually serves us. So guilt actually serves us. And another thing that's important to point out here is we often misuse the word guilt. So you'll say like, oh, I'm just experiencing mommy guilt or I, you know, I, I'm on a guilt trip or something. Where really what we're saying there is shame. We're using the word guilt, but what we mean is shame. So when we feel mommy guilt, we're thinking I'm a bad mom. Not I love myself, I am a great mom, and I made a mistake. That is guilt. Shame is I'm doing a bad job, I'm a bad mom. So it's really important to understand these very similar emotions so that we use them correctly. Because guilt really does serve us. Guilt basically means that we believe that the action that we took or didn't take was a mistake or a problem. We are recognizing that it wasn't in line with our values or in line with how we usually behave. We're recognizing that it's a problem, that it caused us harm or other people harm. Whether it was intentional or unintentional, guilt is still the appropriate emotion and the emotion that will serve us in this moment. Because even if we harm someone intentionally like say we say something really rude and we meant to right afterward when we're back in our higher brain we can feel guilt about that action we took. We can apologize. We can own our part of that story, right? And we can we can work with that. We can acknowledge we made a mistake. Mistakes are sometimes intentional and sometimes unintentional. I think that we're willing to feel guilt when the mistake is unintentional, but sometimes not even then. But then I think that we do struggle more to just work with guilt when the mistake is intentional. That's when we really want to go for shame. Another one that goes back to that mommy guilt, this is the one that comes up for me is when I lose my core with my kids and I yell at them. I'm very tempted to feel a lot of shame about that. Like I'm such a bad mom, I yell at my kids, right? Instead of I made another mistake, I let it get away from me again. I feel guilty when I yell at my kids. I'm a good mom and sometimes I yell at my kids. You see how those can kind of coexist. I'm a good mom and I made a mistake and I yelled at my kids. And that one, I think the reason why it's so tempting to go to shame for that one. And and lots, lots of other examples that I'm sure will be coming to your mind as I'm talking about this is when we do it over and over because then it feels more intentional. It feels more like I should be over this by now. I should be a master of this. If I'm doing it over and over, I must not be sorry. But we can make the same mistake over and over again and be sorry every time because that is what it means to indulge in our lower brain is to do something that is not productive or doesn't serve us. It's not who we want to be. And yet our lower brain will offer it to us forever. My lower brain will offer to me, to yell at my kids forever. Now I am getting better at staying in my higher brain and remembering who I want to be in that moment when I'm frustrated and tempted to lose my cool. But sometimes I indulge in what my lower brain offers me. And sometimes I stick with what my plan is, with my intentional plan that I create with my higher brain. And none of that affects my acceptability or my worthiness as a person, as a mother. It is all in the realm of mistakes and errors and humanness. And I can accept my humanness. I can accept my mistakes and errors. I can feel guilty. I can feel sorry. Remorse is another great word in this area of staying in guilt instead of shame. I can feel a lot of remorse over the action that I've taken, whether it's an individual action or an action on repeat, like the yelling. And I can own up to my part of it, make amends where possible, try to do better all the time. That is, that is being human. Another way to say this guilt versus shame concept is to say that guilt means I've done something wrong. And shame means I am wrong. Once you understand this, you give yourself this huge gift. You give yourself this gift of, I can make a mistake. I can even make an epic mistake, like a life-changing mistake. It can be intentional or unintentional. And I can feel zero shame about it. It's available to me to feel zero shame about even the most epic mistakes. And understanding this, especially in conjunction with the model, we understand that shame will always come from our thoughts, right? Shame is a feeling, it goes in the F line. Guilt is a feeling, it goes in the F line. And our feelings always come from our thoughts. So in this model where we put our mistake in the C line. We put the the thing we did wrong, the, the mistake we made, the error we made goes in the C line. And then we can think whatever we want about that mistake. And if we're feeling shame about the mistake, it's because of the thoughts we're having about it. It's because we're thinking I'm a terrible person. We're making it mean something about who we are, about our acceptability and our worthiness, rather than just what we did and the decision we made in that moment. We're making ourselves equate to the actions we take. The reason that we Go back to shame again and again is we mistakenly believe it will motivate us. So, like, just as I was saying that we can earlier in this episode, that we can accept our faults, we can accept our mistakes, we can make epic mistakes and not feel shame about it. I want you to check in with yourself right now, check in with your brain, and see if it's saying to you, like, if I make an epic mistake and I don't feel shame about it, how will I ever stop making mistakes? Do you have any of those thoughts coming up for you right now as I say these things? I want you to watch that play out for you and then start to open your mind up to the fact that shame never motivates. It never motivates. In fact, the word shame literally means to cover. Shame inspires hiding, lying, darkness, inaction, self-loathing. Shame does not motivate us. It is not what is going to improve your behavior or inspire you to continually try to improve your behavior. So now we're going to get into a little bit of what will. So another word comparison I want to make. I really like to give you these word comparisons because I want you to notice in your life when you're using these words in a way that's like you're switching them. So the words I want to look at right now are fault and responsibility. So fault is what our lower brain offers us. Fault is what goes along with shame. Fault is how we believe we're punishing ourselves or other people for these mistakes, right? Whereas responsibility comes from your higher, sorry, comes from your higher brain. Responsibility goes along with the feeling of guilt, the appropriate use of the word guilt and responsibility has ownership with it. This is what I was starting to say a little bit earlier. When we go with guilt, when we've made a mistake and we love ourselves anyway and we accept that we're human, and that humans make mistakes and we want to do better in the future and we want to make up for or make amends if possible for the mistake that we currently are in. We need ownership and responsibility, not fault and punishment. Now, natural consequences come. That is enough of a punishment. We do not need to add pain on top of pain. We accept the natural consequences of our mistakes, but the punishment is not what is going to motivate us to not do it again. Feeling that ownership, accepting that responsibility for what we've done is what feeds into our confidence, our self-confidence that we know how to handle mistakes. We know how to love ourselves anyway and have our own back. We know how to make it better and we know how to try to not do it again. And that is what will motivate you to always be seeking to make fewer mistakes While simultaneously understanding that as a human, you will forever make mistakes. So if we master this ability to process our mistakes, basically, to make a mistake and process it in a way where we don't beat ourselves up, punch ourselves in the face, and instead we make the most of it, right? We learn from it. We understand why we did it. We understand that we didn't want to do it. We make plans on how to decrease the chance that we'll do that same mistake again in the future. That all comes from appropriately using guilt, taking responsibility and ownership for that action, and then moving forward. I want to give you another example here. I have shared this example as a hot mess moment in a previous episode, but I'm going to share it here again in in just a little different way. So during my husband's first deployment in 2013, You guys know I broke my leg right at the beginning and it took a long time to piece our lives back together. From him being out of the country and me being laid up for months, basically, a lot of things really kind of slowly fell apart and took time as I pieced my health back together. I pieced our lives back together and then he got home and we continually were like fixing little things that just fell away. They just, their priority went way down. So one of those things was, Nobody ever got my van re-registered when the registration expired. So it just completely fell off of my radar, my husband's radar, everyone who was helping me radar. It just, it just wasn't a priority, even though logically it is a priority, but there were just other more pressing things when you're in those extreme moments, right? And then by the time I was feeling better again, just somehow I, I never thought of it. It's just something that my husband typically takes care of and he was gone and I just had other things that I was focused on and, and it just was nowhere on my radar. So I get pulled over 10 months after my registration expires. 10 months, you guys, like almost a full year. Like it's gonna expire again. That's how long it had been. <laughs> I have all my kids with me. We're coming home from gymnastics or something. And I get pulled over and the officer is mad. Okay, it was a female. She was nice, but she was, she could not compute how uh, I'm just driving around with 10 month expired registration. And I get it. Normally, I mean, it's expired on me before, but typically, you know, by a week or two and then I'm in there fixing it, right? I, I don't think very many people do this, I would guess. And she even said to me, I could... Legally, tow your car away right now but you've got your children with you. So I'm going to let you go home in this vehicle. If you don't take care of this in the next few days, you know, it's going to be really bad. So she gave me a ticket. I don't remember it was for a certain amount. And if I went and paid my registration and got it all resolved within, I think I had five days, the amount of the ticket went down by half or something. So I, I, I took care of it the next day. It was, it was the evening that we got pulled over. But anyway, in that moment, so she lets me go and I'm so relieved that she's not going to take my car. And she let me go and I'm driving away and I am mortified. I am, just mortified right like I understand logically why it happened and why it's okay I understand that the circumstances were very extreme with my husband's deployment my leg breaking I understood that it expired right in the thick of all of that and then it just was off our radar but I was quickly making it mean a lot about who I was as a person I'm disorganized I'm not a good adult I'm you know I I don't know how to be responsible I don't know how to take care of things I also found it really fascinating that one of the thoughts that I had really immediately after driving away from the police officer was never tell dad. That was just this thought that came flying into my brain. So I knew I was going to tell my husband and I sure I get, you know, embarrassed in front of him, but not so much. I know that I feel safe with him. I feel like I can tell him even my worst things and that our love is whole and complete and our relationship is strong and I tell him things. So I knew that he was going to find out and I was okay with that. My brain was like, never tell dad. And that is that shame coming through so strong. Hide this. Never tell dad because of what he'll think of you once he knows that you went 10 months past the expiration date of your registration. And this is something that I know about myself and my relationship with my father, which is actually a really great relationship. And my concern in telling him has nothing to do with the way that he treats me when he finds out about my weaknesses. And I truly don't worry about if he'll love me or not based on if I am irresponsible or not. But I do have this story in my brain that plays out probably just from my childhood, but it's not because of what he actually thinks or because of what I believe about if he loves me or accepts me for who I am and with my mistakes. But this little story says like, put on your best face for your dad. He needs to always just see how responsible you are and how put together you are and what a great adult you are. And if you have mistakes, hide them. (laughs) So... Because I know I have this story and I knew this long before I ever even discovered life coaching and I want to neutralize this story and not take action from it. I was actually ready for this thought. When it came up, I realized, oh, there's my story that I have about my dad that I need to hide things from him. And so in order to counteract that story, because logically I know it's not true. I called him immediately and that's my plan. Whenever I have that urge to hide something from my dad, instead I just tell him about it right away. (laughs) And we're going to get to that in the solutions, but in this moment, in this hot mess moment that uh, I'm resharing with you, I called my dad right away and I said, Dad, I have a funny story for you. You're not going to believe this. And I told him the story and he was shocked. He couldn't believe it. And he probably, he may have even slightly judged me in that moment or whatever. He indulged in some of that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. That's all his model. Uh, I felt so good telling him. It immediately neutralized that shame of like, you need to hide this. This is so embarrassing. Instead, I just told it like the funny story that it was. And I told my husband what happened. I went the next day. I took that responsibility and that ownership over my mistake. I paid the registration, paid the ticket, got those new stickers on my car, solved the problem, moved on as the awesome adult that I am. Okay, so this is perfect time to head us into our solutions. So the first solution that I'm going to offer you, which we have talked about many times in this podcast, is awareness. Awareness equals authority, you guys. Just understanding shame, understanding what it looks like when you feel shame, why you feel shame, that it's normal, all of that is the awareness, and that is always the first step. That is always the first little piece of any solution. So start with awareness. The second solution that I'm going to offer you is to use the right words. So that's one reason why I spent some time talking about those different words that we mistake sometimes and what they actually mean. So use guilt appropriately. Don't use guilt when you mean shame. If you're in shame or experiencing shame, call it what it is. Call it shame. Same with fault and responsibility. When you find yourself finding fault, flip it to responsibility. And when responsibility is morphing into fault, bring it back to responsibility because fault does not serve us and responsibility does. Okay, this next solution came from Jody Moore's podcast episode that I referenced earlier, episode 230. And I love how she said it. So I'm just going to say it just how she did. And she calls it dropping into truth. So when you catch yourself in a moment of shame, whether it's from something you've done, something someone else has done, whether it's intentional or unintentional, one of the best ways to neutralize the shame is to drop into the truth of the moment. So we just say out loud to ourselves or, or whatever, exactly what is true. What are the facts? And you know, that's all that can ever go in the sea line. So that's is why it can really help in this moment when you're ready, not necessarily right in the heat of the moment, but if you give yourself a, a minute, get a little space from the, the moment, write out a model, do a thought, download and write out a model and make yourself only put the facts in the C line. Okay. So in my example, we're gonna I'm gonna apply each of these solutions to my example because that's what I did. That's how I solved example that i gave of unmuting myself during the church zoom meeting was i coached myself and i went to some of these places i utilized some of these solutions so i called it what it was i said i am currently stuck in this shame blame trap i'm watching myself i got that awareness i called it what it was i'm watching myself go back and forth between shaming myself and blaming other people and i did a little thought download on what happened and what i was currently trying to do to solve it that was not working i was just staying in that miserable place and then I wrote out what were the facts of what happened not the story I was telling about it that I was a disaster and that I had ruined the lesson and you know all of that drama take away all the drama and just do the facts the facts were that I did put my computer at a place that my young kids could reach, my little girls could reach, and they were pushing buttons. So were some of my other kids. It wasn't just my little kids. They just, my my computer was on the table and the kids went for it and I didn't stop them. Okay, so that was a fact. My kids touched my computer. We made noise for a certain amount of time at the beginning of a meeting. I received three text messages from people asking me to mute my computer. I apologized to my friend and she Said it was completely okay. Those are the facts of what happened. I take away that drama and I realize like I have a little bit of responsibility to take care. I made a mistake. I did give her a hiccup in her lesson that we just all quickly moved on from. And I make mistake. I'm a human. I make mistakes. When you drop into truth, that's what it does. It takes away all the drama, all the, it takes away that dramatic story you're telling that is keeping you in the shame blame trap. So these are all the ways to get out of this trap, to learn, to become an expert at processing these experiences that typically will create a lot of shame for us. And another thing to, that's important to acknowledge when we're dropping into this truth of the circumstances is that neither the shame story or the blame story that we've been telling are true. It's not true that I'm an awful person and it's not true that someone else is an awful person and it's their fault. I made a mistake or someone else made a mistake and that's what's true. Okay. The next solution is to say it out loud to someone. Remember that shame will immediately make you either want to hide or deny what happened. Hide is the really common one and deny is just another one we try out usually when hiding isn't working or something. So if you, I wouldn't, some people do this, I, I don't tend to. I mean, you see me put some of my you know hot mess moments out here on the podcast and I really like to be authentic and vulnerable with you guys, but I wouldn't necessarily like go on Facebook right away and be like, guess what happened as a, as a way of trying to neutralize the shame. I would pick one or two people, trusted, loving people who you know will take good care of this information because they love you and I want you to say it out loud to them. When I tell you my hot mess moments, usually they are quite a bit in my past, And I've completely recovered from them and I feel no shame or embarrassment from them anymore. They're just funny to me now, right? But they're very real moments that in the moment I wasn't laughing, typically. I was embarrassed and, and either indulging in shame or having a strong urge to indulge in shame. So... I would just, with this solution, I would do it carefully. You have to do what works for you. If putting it on Facebook works for you, go for it. What I'm wanting to encourage with this solution is vulnerability. And vulnerability can be with just one other person. It doesn't have to be vulnerable to the world. I just want you to say it out loud, be vulnerable, and get rid of some of that power that hiding and shame has created. That's what gives shame its power is hiding. So that's why it's so great at neutralizing it. Experiencing that exposure just brings the circumstances into the light, which in the moment you think is going to be more painful than the shame you're feeling. But if you think back in your past and you ask other people, exposure brings relief. Even if it's a little bit painful at first or kind of like pain surrounded by relief or something, it feels better and the pain of shame. So this is a really important one. And again, you need to do it in a way that makes sense for you. Okay, the next solution is being willing to be wrong. Or another way to say this is being willing to accept what people are saying or thinking or, you know, quote unquote, accusing you of, right? That's another way that we'll feel shame. We either feel shame because we're worried about what we think about ourselves, right? We're harshly judging ourselves, or we'll often feel shame because we're worried about what other people are thinking about us, that they are harshly judging us. So if you get called out on something or receive a text or an email or a phone call of someone saying, you know, here's what you did that was wrong. Here's what you did that hurt me. Whatever it is that brings up this this circumstance, right, that will give you an urge to take it to that shameful place. Try on just saying they they might be right or they're even, you don't have to say like, oh, you're 100% right. I did this all wrong. But you just say, like, say someone says you were Uh, out of line there like you shouldn't have said that just try saying like you're right I shouldn't have said that or if someone says like you're you know you're over the top right? Like you're just too much or you're, you're so selfish, right? Like say they're, they're calling you on something, right? And they're saying you're so selfish. Just try saying like, you're right. I am a little bit selfish sometimes. Like you're not saying, you're not self-deprecating and you're not just giving them the power, but power comes in saying, I'm, I'm willing to be wrong here. I did something a little bit wrong. I made a mistake, right? We're not saying that they're right, that we're a bad person. We're saying they're right. I did something wrong. We're owning our mistake. We're willing to be wrong. We're willing to let them be a little bit right. Like there's so much power in that. We're worried that that's giving away our power, but we don't give away our power unless we're saying that the shame is right. If we're just saying that the guilt is right, then that's keeping our power. If we're saying that what they're saying about us that would promote the shame, if that's right, that is giving away our power. So don't do that. Just say, you might be a little bit right about that. I'm definitely a human. I definitely made a lot of mistakes. This was one of them. I wish I hadn't done it. Like, you're right. I was a little bit selfish in this moment. It doesn't mean I'm a selfish person. It means I behaved selfishly in this moment. There's a lot of power in that. And that leads me right into my next solution, which is to accept your human. And we've talked about that a little bit throughout the episode, but to just say, this is what it looks like to be a human. I will forever make mistakes. There will never be a time in this life where I will graduate to a place where I stop making mistakes. And the sooner that we can just like, even if we logically understand this, we need to get our lower brain on board with this concept because that's what it's offering us when it's saying, let's, let's go to shame. It's saying we shouldn't have made this mistake. We shouldn't make mistakes. So we're just calling it on that story. We're saying to be human is to make mistakes. And then I get to decide what I do with those mistakes and I get to decide what plans I put in place to try to avoid certain mistakes in the future. But I will never stop making mistakes. So one of my favorite intentional thoughts to think when I go, when I just, you know, in kind of small moments when I go to shame or beating myself up, I can just quickly reroute it with this thought. Turns out I'm human. So I'll make a mistake in a recipe or I'll forget to sign one of my kid's school assignments, or I'll forget to go to a meeting, right? Some some of these smaller mistakes, but no matter how small they are, we can be very quick to judge ourselves harshly for these mistakes. And I'll be so tempted to judge myself and be hard on myself and think that It means a lot about who I am as a person. And then I'm able to quickly, because I've done it so many times now, go to this new thought of, turns out I'm human. And that just helps me wrap my arms around who I am, that it's okay, (laughs) that mistakes are okay, and I can just move forward. It just helps me accept my humanness. That's what goes in my result line of that model. When I think, turns out I'm human, I feel compassionate and understanding of my humanness. And then the action I take is to have my own back in that moment, take responsibility and ownership for what I've done, make it better if I can, and try not to do it in the future. And then my result line is accept my humanness and do my best. I'm always doing my best. Sometimes my best looks awful, you guys, <laughs> but I've decided to believe that I'm always doing my best and that's available to you as well. Okay, the last solution that we talk about a lot in this podcast is to be the watcher, to look at what you do with fascination and curiosity. When you go to this place of watching yourself, you're in such a better place of, of creating your models intentionally. When, as soon as you become a watcher, you're in your higher brain. When you are letting your, actions and feelings represent who you are, that's when you're almost inside yourself and you're not as able to watch what you're doing. And that's really will lead to a lot of lower brain thoughts, feelings, and actions. So to just take a step back, watch yourself, decide what you want to make it mean and decide what you want to do about it and how you want to feel. That's when you create your results from that higher brain. And that's when you find that understanding and understanding always leads to compassion, which is how we have our own back. We have understanding for our actions, even even awful, epic mistakes. We can have understanding for why we did it, why we want to never do it again, or at least try, right? And what we want to do about it, how we go back to that, ownership. Okay, that is what I have for you guys today, your mission for this episode. And I want you to find an example from your immediate past of when you felt shame, just like I shared a couple of examples here with you in the podcast. And I want you to see if you went into that shame blame trap. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. We don't always, but it's it's quite common. And I want you to see how you attempted to resolve it. And I want you to kind of check in with yourself and see if it is resolved or if you've just set it aside and that something could come up that would bring it right back to the front of your brain. And so that's kind of an interesting exercise. And then apply these solutions to it and see what how that might have affected it drop into truth about it make sure you're using the right words say it out loud to someone if you're still keeping it to yourself make sure you're being the watcher and approaching it with fascination and curiosity see if you need to just be willing to be wrong about what happened and accept your humanness as you do this you will be better prepared for when fresh moments of shame come up in your future and you can practice all of these things and see what happens again in the moment i want you to just let it be what it is because we're often not ready to switch how we're feeling right in the moment just notice that you're in the shame blame trap you don't need to change it just start with that awareness and then later when it's not so fresh when it's not so heat of the moment see what you can do about it start to wiggle it start to coach yourself on it right just let it be a very gentle loving process especially if this is brand new for you this can take time even for me who's been doing it for a long time I still give myself a ton of grace a ton I mean I always will give myself grace but I still give myself time I still let myself indulge in these unproductive emotions right in the moment and I just watch my do it. It's fascinating. So I encourage you to go there with me and just see what happens. This is a great work you guys. Working on how you process shame is so valuable and will greatly enhance your life experience. Let's stop adding the pain on top of the pain. We take the mistake we made which brings about a natural amount of pain, a natural amount of consequences and then we add pain on top of that by smothering it in shame. So that's the goal of mind management and of a lot of what I'm teaching you in this podcast is to eliminate drama, Eliminate extra suffering and stop adding pain on top of pain. We want our lives to be just regular hard, not extra hard. (laughs) Okay, so thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time. Are you guys ready to take what you are learning here in this podcast to the next level? Then join me for resiliency training. This is my monthly coaching program that includes a private coaching session with me each month along with weekly content and individual email support. Start anytime for just $100 a month and continue at that rate as desired with no obligation. We can all use a little help sometimes to get through the difficulties of military life and that's exactly the boost this program will give you. Sign up on my website simplyresilient.net. I cannot wait to work with you.